Hey, peeps, this is Trish. I want to share something with you today. So back in the day when I was starting Spring OT, we had grown, we had some admin help, we had a therapist or two, and I had systems, let's put that in quotations, meaning I had like spreadsheets and Google Docs and more spreadsheets and a few emails. And finally, my therapist and my team, very small team, begged me to do something all under one umbrella. No more duct tape systems, they said, Trish. Please, please get a real system. So what did you do, Trish? Well, Ashley, let me tell you, <laughs> I always talk about time being precious and needing to buy back our time because we've only got two assets. We've got time is money and time is the most limited resource that we have. I'm on a mission to help OT entrepreneurs save that time, no more $10 tasks, so that you can use it for what really matters. And that is being the CEO of your company who can implement your growth. Only you can do that. Agreed. So, yeah, I know. I know you believe in this. So when you have systems in place, everything just falls into line. That chaos that you feel turns into order. The duct tape goes away. And you know, you become clear and have more control. So I want you, the listeners, to imagine what it would be like to have more time to pursue the ambitions and the mission and the impact that you want to have as you grow your OT business instead of just drowning in all those routine tasks. So you turned all that chaos into order and <laughs> yep. you got a system in place yep. and not just, you know, papers and Excel and duct tape, but you got an EMR that exactly. brought everything together. That is exactly why I built Therabyte for OTs just like you who are growing your business. And I know that that's a past version and a current version of you as you step back into working a little bit with clients. So uh, if you are still looking for that EMR to suit your needs, Therabyte is the EMR for OTs. So head over to therabyte.app to learn more about it. And if you want to hang out a little bit more with me, not only did I build the Therabyte, but I'm also guest coaching in Trisha's program, Road to 100K, until the end of June. We're so check that out, a, too. We're happy to have a systems expert in there. Thanks, Ashley. You're welcome, Trish. Take care. Therabyte.app. Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams. A Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. 
Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses, including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome OT entrepreneurs to the OT's Get Paid podcast, season two, episode 12. As you know, in season two, we are focusing on all things sales and marketing. And as I said in the opening episode of the season, I'm here to show you why I believe OTs can be the very best at these important business skills. You want to know what the short form secret is? It's due to our amazing ability to connect and serve others. That really is the secret for both of these areas. And we keep doing deep dives into this all season long. Before we hop into today's episode, I want to share a new tool we have built just for you. I am so excited to share with you the new tool that we have done. Now, we have many listeners of this podcast, which automatically makes you a get paid peep. Many of you are also a member of the Facebook group. If you're not, head over there right now. We do bonus trainings weekly, and you get support from me and your fellow community members. The link is in the show notes. It's the OTs Get Paid Facebook group. Again, this automatically makes you a get paid peep. You can take the advice in both of these areas, this free advice in both of these areas, and execute and increase your ability to grow your business to get paid. But guess what? We have taken it one step further. My team at Trish Williams Consulting have built a new tool to help you figure out exactly where you're leaving money on the table and exactly where you are in your business and exactly where you need to go next. I am so excited about this tool. This tool will help you learn if you are in the startup phase, the growth phase, or the scale phase of your business. It's important to know that not all growth is the same. There are three distinct levels of business. We haven't talked enough about that, and that is something we are doubling down on here at OTs Get Paid. I want you to know what phase you are in business and what you need to do to move to that next level. And it's not just about making more money. We now have the tool that will tell you. It is the OT's Get Paid Quiz. And when I tell you, it has been a long time and a ton of thought in the making. I stand behind that and I am so proud of my team and how we have been able to roll this out for you. We've had quite a few people that have already taken the quiz. They feel that the results are bang on and they're already getting immediate value from it. I want you to be able to focus on your business in all areas to ensure that you're on track 
to grow in profit, clarity, and impact. So the quiz is in the show notes. Take it, get your results. Please feel free to let me know how the results have impacted you. Hit reply on the results that'll be in your inbox and let me know what your thoughts are. We are constantly seeking feedback from everybody else. I want you to tell me how it's helped you, what you've learned from it. People have actually told me they have learned from it. 100% true. They have learned from it just by taking the quiz. Just by answering the questions, they have learned more about how to grow their business. And then we put results in your inbox which gives you even more value. So I cannot wait to hear from you all to tell us how you like it. So back to today's episode. Many of you are on the same path as this next guest. This next guest is in the grow phase of business or what we at OTs Get Paid now call the feast or famine business owner. You'll learn that from the quiz. (laughs) This business owner has a bricks and mortar private practice. She is growing her team. She is hitting six figures and beyond and has some really cool goals. And her focus right now is to move from getting 100K plus gross to 100K take home and profit on the regular. There's quite a number of you that are in that space. She is now using some of her time to build an online offer, which is part passion project and part part to diversify revenue stream and to shift really into that expert role. She's been an OT for a long time. I wanted to bring her on the podcast as an example of what you can achieve and how she has managed to market and sell in both bricks and mortar and in the online space. So you're going to find value in this episode if you're close to this level of your gross income or if you too are trying to get six figures on the regular each year as your take home and your profit or if you're dreaming about that. I am so excited to welcome our next guest, Jane Irby. So welcome to Jane Irby. Jane, thank you so much for joining us here today. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Trish. You're more than welcome. So shall we truly pull back the curtain, as we say? So people now know that I podcast from Studio C, which is my studio closet. Jane, why don't you give everybody a little visual of where you are right now? Oh, so, you know, as true pediatric OT form, I am in our Lycra room, which is a room filled with suspended fabric, surrounded by about six bean bags and a stack of mattresses end on end, trying to <laughs> enclose myself into a nice, quiet space. <laughs> Thank you for that. Because, you know, one of the things that OTs resonate with again and again is keeping it real. And Jane is one of the best of the best at that. <laughs> So I wanted to make sure people saw. So Jane's coming from Studio LR, Studio Lecker Room. Okay. (laughs) Fantastic. Jane, we're going to start out with the question that I ask everybody, which is how do you get paid? Meaning, tell us about yourself and what you do. 
So as you said, I'm a pediatric occupational therapist, almost 30 years now, and I have my own business in Stanford, Connecticut called Smart Pediatrics. I know a lot of people call it a brick and mortar business, which fortunately it is a brick and mortar business. It's not my brick and mortar. I sublease from another occupational therapist who also has a pediatric OT clinic. So we work together in the same space. So I would say that's where my most of my income comes from. But within that, we do a variety of things. We do, we obviously treat pediatrics, occupational therapy. We actually have also a physical therapist that works here with us as well. And I have a coach, Coach Mike, who actually does a lot of like therapeutic coaching and play skills. And he also runs our bike camp. So there's a few ways that people can kind of work with us here. I love it. You also have a bit of an online element to smart pediatrics. Why don't you tell us a bit about that now? Yeah, I just kind of am dipping my toe into the online experience. So I decided a little while back, probably at the beginning of COVID, that I wanted to try and reach out to more occupational therapists similar to me who would be interested in or just opening up their own business. So I developed an online VIP day, which is essentially a one-day, one-on-one experience with me that I take you through the way that I learned to successfully market myself and my business in my area. And I want to teach other OTs that they too can do it in their own area and be very successful at it. You know, I love a VIP day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) VIP sisters. (laughs) Hey, it's Trish. Now that I've got your attention, I wanted to tell you about something that we are really excited about here at OTs Get Paid. This month, we are kicking off our formal systemic, organized, planned, woohoo, referral program. With every referral of somebody that you bring to us that purchases one of our two signature programs, Road to 100K and 100K Club, we give you money. We're leaning into it. We're leaning into our brand and we're going to get you paid. At this point, we are offering $400 for people who refer someone who enrolls in our 100K Club mastermind and $250 for somebody that enrolls in our road to 100k program. But we're not stopping there. Your referred member will also get access to a bonus Q&A Zoom call every month that we are doing just for new referred members with our coaches. It's going to be Q&A, ask the coach anything. How are you going to do this? The best way to do this is to connect with us via email or through DMs. We're keeping it really simple for right now. And we're saying, hey, here's their deets. Do you want us to call them? Are they going to get in touch with us? And as long as you mention each other, we will connect you and let our system wheels spin and they will get their bonuses and you will get yours. And I want to remind you, we are a company with a mission. It is to bring more wealth to more female OT entrepreneurs because we know what women do with money. They use it to better their families and they use it to better their communities. So for every dollar that we generate here at OTs Get Paid every year, we give away 1% of our gross income to Dress for Success, which is a charity, an organization that's dedicated to empowering women towards financial independence. I hate to use the term win-win-win. Somebody has a better one. Please let me know. But we don't want you to keep those benefits to yourself anymore. We want your referral partner to win. We want you to win. And of course, we have a social agenda here at OTs Get Paid. We are (laughs) VIP sisters. You know, it's one of my soapboxes. Exactly. So tell me 
how did you decide to start Smart Pediatrics? Like we always talk about that fist on the table moment, which is like, there's got to be a better way. What made you start Smart Pediatrics? So I, fortunately and unfortunately, in my experiences being an OT, I had had some great, great work environments. But the last three work environments that I worked in prior to opening up my own business were really quite toxic. The last Um, three? Yeah, it was a lot. I know. Well, I shouldn't say it almost, it almost progressed in toxicity because like (laughs) the first one, I worked at this wonderful school in New York City and they ended up firing half the people there, Mm. most of whom did not deserve to be fired. They were excellent people. So that was upsetting. So I had to kind of work through that whole situation, which was difficult. And then the next one I worked at the person, I was the senior supervising therapist and I was in charge of one of the clinics and my, the, the owner of the two clinics decided that she she felt that she, I did not feel like I was being valued and Mm. she felt like she was valuing me enough. So Mm. when I decided to give in my notice, she decided to follow me down to the clinic and watch me pick up all my stuff and then change the locks the day that I left. So that felt very, very unsatisfying, especially because I spent so many years there. And then the last one I worked at was also very toxic the therapists weren't being valued. Their time wasn't valued. They were often asked to do things after hours and for the person personally. And I was kind of the, since I was the senior therapist, I was the person who was trying to balance her needs and wants with the needs and wants of the therapist. And I just didn't feel like I was doing a very good job. I wasn't giving my best self because I felt like I was in a very difficult situation. So I decided to leave there. And that's when I finally said, there's got to be a better way. Like mm-hmm. therapists need to be valued. Their time needs to be valued. Their energy needs to be valued as well as the clients and their families. So that's when I decided to finally open Smart Pediatrics. And I say, like, I tell my therapists that work for me, I am 100% interested in keeping you feeling that you're happy, you're valued, that you know how much I recognize your effort. And if there's anything I can do to help you, I'm here for you. So I'm really very supportive. Like that's one of my key values of my business is to make sure that the therapists that work for me and the people who work for me feel that know how much I appreciate them and value them. I love it. And I stopped keeping track of the amount of time you said the word valued or value. (laughs) I'm not sure if you know how many times you said it. And I, did <laughs> I think, no, I think it's really key because clearly you are on message without even knowing it, right? So, you know, I definitely want to jump into income and impact goals for smart pediatrics, et cetera. But I don't want to skip over this point before we get to that, which is how do you, now that you're the boss, the CEO, how do you truly go about making your people feel valued. Give us some really concrete ideas because I know people out there that are listening are like, Mm -hmm. yep, yep, yep. And I want them to have some takeaway because it sounds like you've really made a shift. So thanks for asking because I do think it's important and I'm glad to share the things that I've come up with that I think our staff and our people appreciate. So I should clarify, we have independent contractors. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing to recognize. But so part of the ways that we 
And when I say we, it's my own business as well as this other business owner that we share because we share the therapist as well. Yeah, I want to talk about your ops costs in a minute. I really think that's something we also want to dive deep into. So for now, we'll talk about value and then we'll talk about kind of how your business is set up because it's really cool. So we spend a lot of time celebrating therapists. So if there's, you know, an engagement or a baby or, uh, you know, a wedding going on, we definitely do all the things that probably a lot of business owners do, take them out for, you know, dinner, celebrate with a brunch, things like that. We do a lot of gifts and things like that. But the other thing that we do that we've created, which I think helps out a lot, is that we spend a lot of time in the clinic you know, being there as support, being there as people to bounce ideas off of, help with difficult families, difficult situations. Like I tell the people who work with me, I'm here to deal with the parents and help them and understand them. And you work with the client. And when we can overlap, that's great. But Mm -hmm. if there's a particular family that's challenging, I'm here to help you with that. Like I want to be there. Another thing that we've done that I think is really helpful is, and I know that this is difficult for a lot of business owners, but if we ever have any, so part of our policy is if there is a cancellation, a late cancellation, which is less than 12 hours, then we do a cancellation fee. So it's not mm-hmm. a high fee. It's just a small mm-hmm. amount, but that money goes directly to the therapist. So we mm-hmm. don't take any money off of that. So I know mm-hmm. that I've worked in other environments where they're like, oh, I'm going to charge you your full rate if you cancel. I never liked that. It never felt it never settled well with me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it kind of made the families feel a little uncomfortable as well. So we do a small fee, a cancellation fee, but again, that goes right into the therapist's pocket because they're the ones sitting here waiting for the client to show up. They're the ones that have possibly hired the babysitters. And I know in other experiences, that's never happened for me. Like if someone just no-showed, I didn't get paid, even though I was Mm -hmm. sitting there. So that's really been helpful too. And then I think another thing is we just really tell them, like I tell them on a daily basis, like you guys, I value you. I think you know, I really appreciate the work you're doing for me. If there's anything I can do to help you, like if somebody needs a day off or a personal day, I'll jump in, I'll take over their caseload. I mean, it helps now that I have a smaller caseload, which mm-hmm. again has been an incredibly interesting shift all on its own. I used to be the only person treating and now I'm the one that's treating the least amount, mm-hmm. but that's allowed me to be that supportive person and to jump in when needed. So, you know, I just, on any opportunity, we tell them and, and, and explain to them how about, and their time, like I've said to them, I'm not going to put any more clients on your schedule unless you tell me that you want more clients. Like I want to value your time and your energy. And I just want to make sure that you are happy with what you're doing and happy with your, with your caseload. I love it. So, you know, some themes that I heard in there were delight. It's a word that I learned through marketing, which is appropriate for season two. And I'm going to be talking more about it in a, in a podcast. People that have followed along know that I'm a fan of Rachel Cook and she runs the CEO Collective. She's an MBA. She's not an OT. She doesn't do therapy specific. But in her marketing program, I guess, or journey, she talks about you know everything from attracting a client and all the way to the end, which ends with delight. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that was a big eye-opener for me as a person that serves clients. And yet you're taking it a step further and you're talking about making sure you're delighting your team, Mm -hmm. which I think is really important. It's the same kind of feeling in, in that, you know, client acquisition, which is let's make them just that much happier that they're here. I also heard that you provide mentorship Mm -hmm. and that you are 
valuing the therapist's time and caseload, which is really productivity. It doesn't sound as though you have, you know, a percentage that they have to hit every day. You're seeing them for who they are. And I also heard a little bit of like transparency with some pricing and some fees. Is that correct? Yep. We actually have, when we hire our independent contractors, we pay them based on their years of experience. And everybody knows how much everyone else is getting paid because in other work environments, there was a lot of, you know, talk behind the scenes. How much are you getting paid? How much am I getting paid? And it it really caused a lot of resentment and questioning. So right from the beginning, the other clinic owner and I decided that we were going to make it very transparent. Everyone's going to know how much everyone else is getting paid. And it's a set Every year you work with us, you get a bump in your hourly wage. So the longer you work for us, the higher you're, you, you'll get paid. So we thought also that would you know help retain our staff, retain those independent contractors, as well as show them, okay, we really value you and we want to put the time in you and hopefully you want to put your time with us as well. Yeah. Do they know how much you get paid? Uh, no, because I don't even know how much I get paid. <laughs> <laughs> wrong answer. I know, I know. <laughs> Not yeah. the wrong answer that they don't know, the wrong answer that I'm wagging my like, you know, coachy finger as I do because you know that's one of my pillars is to make I sure know. people know their numbers. No, no, I'm just I'm teasing you. And I actually didn't know what the answer would be. So let's back in. If you knew exactly what you were getting paid, would you tell people? Would you tell your team? Because that's yeah. kind of a hot and button topic. I probably would. I mean, little for your audience. So I don't know if you're going to say this in the intro or not, but Trish and I, Trish coached me. So she's very familiar with kind of where I'm coming from. But this is my kind of trial year. This is my first year to really kind of understand my numbers, mm-hmm. understand how much things cost, understand, you know, all that stuff. This was my real first year. And although I am better about my numbers and I know totally. things, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, the cost of everything. And, you know, I know what my gross income is for the business, but I haven't quite yet figured out all the other details of what's going on. Plus we've, gr- I've grown a lot this year. Yeah. So everything's still in shift mode. So yeah, I'm trying to get a handle on it. So don't wag your finger at me yet. Oh I'm, no, I'm, I was, a, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> we all are. Feel free to wag your finger at me anytime you wish. <laughs> and that's not like a shame-based thing. It was more going for the joke. But it is an interesting question, and you might not be able to answer it now, but it has come up in the past with other guests. I'm thinking about Corey Rowan in particular. She was season one. I can't remember the number of her episode about building team culture, but I don't know the answer to the question. And I think I asked it on the OTs Get Paid Facebook book group too, like, should your team know what your take-home is? And again, I can see pros and cons in each. So that's Mm -hmm. why I was following up with that question. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, like I said, it's something that I'm still trying to figure out as the CEO of the company. I definitely would love to figure out ways to reward people for the things that they're doing for me, but it's difficult when they're independent contractors as well. So it's a real fine line. So we're still trying to figure it all out. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I appreciate that. And one of the reasons that I love having you on the podcast is you are, as I you know mentioned again in the beginning, like you are really successful in multiple metrics and also very willing to say, I've gotten this far on this much info, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. the non, the non-typical business, business success, right? Or the, exactly. the non-business, business person. Like right. I'm not going to be like slick and totally sophisticated and know everything. And I also have like a successful business in a lot of 
measurements. Right, right, right. So let's talk about one of those, which is income. Okay. So tell me about your gross revenue for 2020 and dive into some of that income in terms of how much was profit, how much was take home, how much was ops cost, et cetera, and what you have as goals for this year and next year. Okay. So I'll try my best. I'm not good with yeah, numbers. You go for but it. I'm holding your hand. I, There's no more finger <laughs> wagging. <laughs> I what so let me back up a little bit because I think this is interesting for your I think for the listeners out there for the OTs. So when I first opened up my own business, this was 2016, I believe, I made gross income, the, the total amount of money that my business made, not expenses or anything like that, was thirty thousand dollars. And then every year after that. I made an additional $30,000. So my first year was 30, my next year was 60, my next year was 90. And then when I got to about $120,000 in gross revenue was when I realized that I was the bottleneck, that I was the person who was preventing my business from going any further. And I think that was a lot of listening to podcasts and a lot of just happening to listen to the right business people. And it really was a huge shift in my mental ability (laughs) to realize that I'm the problem. If I continue to be the one and only sole therapist treating at Smart Pediatrics, I'm never going to grow and I'm going to burn myself out. My mindset was, yeah, but people are coming because they want me. They want me. They want to see Jane. How can I hire someone else if they want to see me? And it was a real shift to realize, and thank goodness I did, that, you know what? It'll be okay. I will hire a good therapist. I will train this therapist. And then in the end, they might be even more amazing than me. And they Mm -hmm. could bring more to the table. And once I realized that, once I shifted that in my own brain and started to hire other people and expand out, my business took off. So the following year, and also that plus working with you, Trish, working with a business coach, huge. That was like, and Trish, there were probably some moments that you were working with me that you were like (laughs) shaking your head, like, oh my goodness, what is wrong with this woman? Why can't she not get this? (laughs) Never, never. And I'll follow up with, (laughs) I'll follow up with some comments on that too, but keep going. Yeah, never. It It was hard. I had a real... A, it was hard for me to, again, get out of my own way. And B, Mm -hmm. it was hard for me to really understand business concepts. I am like Mm -hmm. the most anti-business businesswoman that there is out there. But once I shifted and realized and got out of my own way, my business, the gross revenue went from 120,000 to 200,000 last year to probably 350,000 this year. That's so cool. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. And again, that's gross revenue. Obviously, that doesn't take into consideration all the costs and everything like that. So that's why I don't know what my pay will be. Mm -hmm. But yeah, seeing that growth from just simply opening up my arms and accepting other OTs and PTs and coaches and people to work with me Mm -hmm. has been the hugest shift in my business. And to be honest with you, probably the best thing that could have ever happened because I work with amazing people with amazing ideas. It's been such a wonderful experience to shift from being the primary treating therapist Mm -hmm. to now the person who is working with these other OTs and helping with education and mentorship and all that stuff. It's just been amazing. So thank you to you and thank you to whoever else was out there influencing me. It's, it's been great. Uh, well, I want to actually put a pin in that and talk a little bit more who those influencers are other than moi. 
because I do <laughs> want to share some of the stage. But it, let's keep going on some of these numbers because I, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. There's so much gold in what you're saying. So mm-hmm. I know that you do have some profit first yep. containers, some percentages. Yep. So let's yep. give people listening approximately, like, for example, I remember talking maybe a year and a bit ago to somebody who was making seven figures. I always love talking to seven figure entrepreneurs. It still blows my mind, um, OT entrepreneurs. And I think they, I was like, how much, what is your gross? And they were like, oh, last year it was like, I'm pulling numbers a bit, but like last year it was 1.5. And I said, amazing. And how much does it cost to make that? And she's like, (laughs) 1.45. And I was like, oh boy, I would not want that business. Oh, that's a bummer. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. I was like, those numbers, I don't even want that much business going through my fingers. Right. Right. To make, like, I'd rather have like three clients and make $50,000. Right. 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 And exactly. a million clients. And yeah. So let's give people some idea of what it costs to run. Like give us a bit of the profit first categories that you have figured out. So profit first, which was amazing, which I believe I first heard about from Laura Parkfigueroa mm-hmm. on her yep podcast, which has been great because before that, I had no idea how much money I was taking in. I had no idea how much money was going out. I was just clueless. So once I implemented Profit First by Mike McCallowitz, I think Mm -hmm. the last name is. So he helps you and I tell everyone to do this on their own. So he has us dividing up actually opening separate accounts and automatically putting a certain amount of money into each account. And the accounts are operating expenses, taxes, profit, and owner's comp. So what I do is every twice a month, just like Laura had prophesized back in the day, I take the money that is in my business account and I put it into those separate accounts. So I have operating expenses is 40%. Taxes is 35%. I think owner's comp, I'm hoping that this equals 100. Owner's mm-hmm. comp is, take. I, yeah, I think owner's comp is 25% and profit mm-hmm. is five. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Yep. So that, those, but, those are good margins. Compared to what his average is, it's also what works for you, right? Like exactly, I put right. less away in taxes because I live in Alberta and we just- And right. And I live in a very highly taxed mm-hmm. area. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So really- on the whole right now, you're looking, if you did back of the napkin math, you would mm-hmm. be taking 30% home, whether it's an owner's comp or profit. Right. So, you know, there's two levers you can pull there. There's the lever of, do I increase those numbers? Or do I, and by doing that, do I decrease ops costs? Right. 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 Because the taxes are the fixed. And so I love that that's how you know that right now you run your business. And again, that I've really been focused on levers lately and like what are the exact numbers that we need to tweak and pull to continue to grow and put more money in your pockets. Right. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. as I've said again and again, you go, girl, you buy those nice shoes. But what we know about women. And people who identify as women and OTs, what they do with their money is they use it for their families, their community, and like the collective good. Plus, Mm -hmm. it buys you freedom, right? Right. It buys you, I don't want you making this and working seven days a week. That doesn't make any sense either. Right. Um, So again, I just put that message on repeat. And then what are you aiming for for 2022? I mean, it's funny because I know we talked about this in our coaching. I am the type of person who doesn't necessarily 
make a lot of plans or, you know, have dream ideas or move forward. It's, it's, it's very much my, like, you know, be satisfied with what you have and don't don't ask for more. Mm -hmm. This year has been like a shock to me. It's really been a shock that I've been able to, that my income is, or that the gross income is the way it is. Like I never expected it to be this. So it's almost like for next year, I'm like, I don't know, like maybe could could I possibly do 400,000? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. So mm-hmm. it's not like I'm aiming, but I do know that if I hired another therapist, because I can kind of mm-hmm. base it on that, it seems like how many therapists I have versus how much money is coming into the business. So if I would hire another therapist, which we would like both the other business owner and I would like to do because we both have a long waiting list right now, mm-hmm. then I can project that it probably will be between 400 and $450,000. So it just you know, it depends on if we end up hiring and if we expand our clinic and many things. So I would say a safe bet is 400,000 and then an, an kind of an audacious goal would be 450. You've got that like under promise over deliver thing that like, yeah. is <laughs> working at you fiercely. Fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about this business model, this other owner and your 40% ops costs because you, oh, and before we do that, is this insurance based or is this private pay? Private pay. Yeah. I mean, we really work hard to try and help anybody who whose insurance company will allow them to mm-hmm. access their benefits. But in this neck of the woods, it's horrible. It's horrible. Most insurance companies, I don't know if this is what the way it is with the rest of the country or up in, oh, I know it's not like it is in Canada, but like around here, it's just, they covered nothing, mm-hmm. nothing. It's very difficult. So what would happen is when we started both the other, clinic owner and I would spend our time trying to, you know, go through insurance companies and get some, any, any, any money back. And it would end up, you'd spend, you could spend easily 30 hours a week just calling insurance companies. It was, it was impossible to do. So unless we hired someone whose full-time job was to call insurance companies, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was unfeasible. It was just, it it couldn't happen. So right now we are private. We are, we are both private, but we, you know, provide the super bills. We provide the paperwork to, you know, possibly get any insurance company to say, okay, yes, I will pay for part of this. But I would say that 90% of my clients are private pay. So I know a question that so many people are thinking right now, which is, and I get it almost every single day in my coaching world, is how do you quote unquote convince or quote unquote sell or upsell or deal with the objections or even get people to listen that are calling with insurance and then you say, oh, well, we don't really take it, but guess what? For cash money, (laughs) you can come see us. Like, there's a lot of people out there that would have no idea how to do that. So, give us a quick synopsis of how you do that. So, what I have found to be successful is that when people call me asking about OT, and if most, I would say most people don't call me and just say, Hi, my name is, you know, Jane, and do you take insurance? They're more like, hi, my name is Jane and I have a question about my daughter or I have a question mm-hmm. about my son. Could you call me back? So I always call them back and I'm like, how can I help you? That's the first question I say to them. How can I help you? So they say, well, this is what's going on. And they usually are so relieved to hear someone, A, listen to what's going on, the difficulties they're having, and B, explain how they can help them that 
the 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 last question is do you take insurance and by that time we've already we've already had a pretty lengthy conversation about how i understand what they're going through how i've worked with other kids that have the same issues how we've seen success how i can you know those kinds of things and not in a sales way like every phone call I make, I'm honestly just getting on the phone to be like, really, how can I help you? And totally. sometimes I get on the phone and if they're like, well, I'm sorry, I can't come to you if you don't have insurance. I literally will spend another half hour saying, okay, well, this is what you need to do mm-hmm. when you do find a place that has insurance. Make sure that they do X, Y, and Z because this is what your child's going to need. And if you're not getting that, call me back and I'll see if I can refer you to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I'm at the stage. And again, I'm six years, almost seven years into my business. And obviously my business is doing well and I have the ability to do this. But if you're, if you're really honestly, truly out there trying to help people, people will respond to that. And maybe that one family won't be able to come to you, but they sure might refer someone else to you who can pay privately. So I say, spend as much time as you can helping as many people understand what's going on with their children and it'll come back and benefit you in the end. I 100% agree. That's exactly how I built my business too. I will add one little asterisk, which is it doesn't also have to be the CEO that does this. One of the things that I'm diving into with some upcoming group coaching that I'll talk about in a bit is how to teach other people to sell, right? Mm -hmm. And if that is a zone of genius, if that is what you love, if that is that connection, I'm not telling you you're not allowed to. I'm saying for those people that are listening going, oh my gosh, how on earth am I going to find time to that? You can begin to outsource that. If you want a high touch when your f- client first gets to you, and that is online too. That's not just somebody with a clinic and a telephone, right? If you want a high touch onboarding, knock your socks off. It doesn't also have to be you, I would add. Do you agree with that? I mean, I agree with it, but I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you might not want to. Like there's some things, like I, I also believe in that, we've talked about this a lot, working in your zone of genius. And I know that that part really lights you up. Right? Yeah, I love, love, yeah. love talking about sensory. Yeah. It's I like, it. I can't argue with people that love Canva. I will always lose that argument. <laughs> <laughs> because there's some people that are like, no, you don't understand. Canva is my happy place. And I'm like, yeah, that's a $10 yeah. task. And they're like, move off, Williams. <laughs> right. And I do some $10 tasks that make me happy as well. Right. I am putting it out there to say that if that, if you're listening to this episode and you feel overwhelmed, you can also begin to outsource that if you know how to sell. And that's part of what we're using these podcasts this season so that we can teach people how to sell. Right. right. And that's um, the other so thing too. Others. Sorry. That's the other thing too. You need to be, and it took me like, I'm in my fifties. I mean, it took mm-hmm. me, I was probably even into my early forties, I was doubting sensory processing. <laughs> I was like, really? Is this really, truly working? Is this true? Like, I am like the naysayer. I am the devil's advocate. I am the person that's always questioning. You are. But now, I don't know what shifted in me, but like, I am like, listen, I can help you. I might Mm -hmm. not fix every single solitary problem that you see in your child or that you're having in your family, but I can help. I can do Mm -hmm. something to help you. And once I kind of wrapped my head around that, I think it went from a, that's what I think happened. I think I went from a, I need to be perfect and I need to make this child perfect and I need Mm -hmm. to make this family perfect. Once I got through that whole perfectionist issue and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I won't make them perfect, but I certainly know how to improve this and this and this. And once I accepted that and was like, I can help you, I can help Mm -hmm. you. Then I became much more comfortable being able to talk about what I could do, talk about how I can help, give suggestions, give referrals, 
point them in the right direction. Like, I really think that shifted my, that shift in my mindset really helped me out. I'm so glad. If people haven't listened, please go listen to season two, episode two, which with Lindsay Vessel Green, where we talk about sales doesn't have to be sleazy and it always comes down to conversation and service. And Jane has proven it once again. And if you have to get out of your own way with knowing exactly what outcomes are good enough, right? And I always tell people, I guarantee you that what you think is good enough is blow your mind exceptional to your client, the person that's buying your service or your product. I agree. I agree. Okay. So I want to get into this business model. Like, who is this other owner? Like, tell people, because I know they're like, "Uh, hello, why do we keep skipping over this part? So who is this (laughs) other owner? And tell us about this business model you have and why you chose it. I mean, I, you know, it just, it just, I don't even know how it worked out so well, but it worked out well. So what happened is when I was working at my last job, I had met this woman through friends of friends. She actually also worked for the same person that I was working for. So we all had this kind of connection. So people who had survived this other employment kind of bonded because we all knew how difficult it could be. So I had met her. Didn't think much about her, but knew that she was out there in the space, knew how well she was respected in this area because she grew up in Stanford and she knew everybody and she'd been in every school and she was just well-respected and well-known. So when I had decided to go out on my own, which again, I think I was listening to one of your podcasts recently and people were talking about how fearful, like how fearful you were to go out on your own. And I remember thinking to myself like, oh my gosh, what if I'm not successful? What if I can't get any clients? What if nobody wants to come see me? And then my husband said to me, well, then you just go back and get another job. Like there's plenty of OT jobs out there, people. So if it doesn't work out and you're miserable, you could always just go back and work for somebody else. Like that That was what I did. (laughs) I asked my J-O-B. I literally looked at my boss at my J-O-B and I said, have I done a good enough job that if this doesn't work out, I can come back? She was like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like once you realize, you know what? It's not going to be the end of the world if it doesn't. What if you do start your own business and you hate being a business owner? Mm-hmm. Then just go back and get another job. It's fine. So mm-hmm. anyway, so I had finally, you know, decided, all right, I'm going to try this. But I was so hesitant and nervous and I'm a very frugal person. You so are. I decided I was going to reach out to a bunch of other clinics in the area and be like, hey, do you need anyone to take on a couple clients? So that way I knew, all right, I'd have a little bit of money coming in while I built my own practice. And fortunately, the two people who decided to let me do that were very generous. They weren't like, oh no, you're competition and we aren't going to let you do that. Like they were, they were like-minded people. So I worked with them. And one of them was this person, Christy, who I work with now. And she and I just really started to get along. I, I, I treated a couple of her own clients while I treated a couple of my own. And she told me somebody did the same thing for her when she first started out. So hmm. she wanted to pay it forward. Hmm. So her paying it forward allowed us now to be working in this clinic together, sharing these independent contractors, sharing these therapists, brainstorming ideas of ways to make it better. You know, now to the point yesterday where our somebody in the building asked us if we were looking to expand and we're now actually talking about, could, is there a possibility that we could expand together? So wow. it's been amazing. And I know a lot of people out there probably don't have that same situation, but you don't know unless you try, you know, there might be other people or you could provide that same thing to somebody else. I know that there are OTs that give that opportunity to speech therapists and to physical therapists, but it's not impossible to do it to OTs. I mean, we're two very different businesses, but we just so happen to share the same space and share the therapist. And I think, you know, from everyone that I speak to that works here, they love having that dynamic, two different people helping them learn and grow and expand through their own career. So it's been really great. 
Give me the top um, two biggest benefits to that model and the top two biggest challenges. So I'd say for me as a business owner, the anti-business business owner, yeah. it's been amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's been amazing. <laughs> exactly. It's been amazing to learn from her. Like she'll mm-hmm. come up with business ideas that I'm like mind blown. Like I was mm-hmm. like, I didn't even think about that. You know, like that didn't even enter my mind. So that's been huge. And in the beginning, like I said, it allowed me to build my business. I mean, I had one client, you know, that mm-hmm. referred that, that a speech therapist that I knew referred to me. So it really was allowing me to grow and learn from her. And she, again, is a very generous person. Like if I was like, Christy, how would you make a form for like, you know, an insurance note or something? She's like, oh, here, just take mine. You know, like she was always really, has always been very generous with her information. And I feel like I'm now able to come full circle with her because I'm much more embracing the CEO side Mm -hmm. and she's learning aspects about that from me. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's been really beneficial that way. While she's been like an amazing OT resource and someone who's, you know, started their business and knows how to work their way around an IEP meeting and things like that and hiring. So, you know, she's, she was way ahead of me in that, in that avenue. I've taught her about, you know, profit first and, you know, marketing yourself and sales and things like that. So it's, it's just, we really have been like, growing together, which has been great. So those are definitely the benefits. As far as the difficulty, the difficulty is, for example, if I decided that I wanted to hire employees, if I wanted to turn the independent contractors we had into employees, I can't necessarily do that unless she wanted to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, we're sharing that, right? So that's one thing. Up until yesterday, I was concerned because I thought, well, there might be an opportunity for us to grow, but maybe she doesn't want to grow. Maybe she's happy with the clinic the size it is. So there's those kinds of pros and cons that you have to think about, right? So it's not just my business. It's really because we're sharing the space. It's something that we have to be on the same page. So fortunately for for these types of things, we are, but, you know, it can be challenging, definitely. In terms of marketing... You market yourselves as two separate businesses. Is that correct? Correct. So how does a client, again, I'm thinking from sales and marketing for the theme of this season, how do they decide who to go to? So most of my clients come from these preschools. So I, early on when I opened my business, I knew that I was going to put most of my time and energy into preschools. I did not want to meet with pediatricians. And quite honestly, pulling the curtain back, I was too intimidated. I did not mm-hmm. want to go into a doctor's office and sit there while the doctor rolled their eyes at me and said, oh yeah, OT, heard that, done that. You know, <laughs> I just, I couldn't do it. I just didn't, I, I wasn't comfortable. So I knew early on that I wanted to really put my time and energy into preschools. So I developed a way to get myself into these preschools, do in-services for the teachers, do in-services for the parents, go there on a monthly basis, run a program that I developed so that I'd be there every month. I'd be front of mind for these teachers so that if they had a question about a child, I could be there as well as I could be the person that came in if the family wanted me to do like a screening or something like that. And by developing those relationships with those preschools, that has really 
built my business. So my clients primarily come from the preschools that I work in and, and word of mouth. And Christy's clients come from the schools that she's worked in, but she does a very different model than I do. She doesn't run it the same way, but she, again, has been in this area her entire life. So she's mm-hmm. really well known in certain areas in certain schools. So they refer to her. And there's been an occasional time where a family will come. Like just this week, a family came to me and they were like, oh, I didn't know you were with Christy. I reached out to her, you know, a while back, but I never pursued it. So sometimes it just happens that, you know, they find me through word of mouth or they find me from my website or they find me from the preschool. And may they know Christy? Yes, but they don't. I would never take a client that had worked with Christy before. I would always Mm -hmm. try and steer them back to, you know, staying with Christy, or if there was a problem, always steer them back to working with Christy. And I would then again, tell Christy, Hey, Christy, FYI, this family came to me and this is what they said. So you probably want to address X, Y, and Z. So we're very transparent with each other that way as well. So you are attracting your ideal clients in two different ways. There's the Christie business and Smart Pediatrics Jane Irby business that's attracting the clients. And they probably wouldn't even know that the Christie business exists until they get in the building, I'm assuming. Right. Well, I mean, who knows? They might know of it, but they don't know that we're basically conjoined twins. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So does that, in that part of that funnel, like it's kind of that you've attracted them, now you're nurturing them, right? Like you've acquired them and you're nurturing them and you're nurturing them and you nurture them through your relationship and through your treatment. And, you know, they come to your space and they look to the left and they see Christy's space that you're sharing with a different logo on it. And, but, you know, Coach Mike is over there too. Like, do do you ever lose people in that part of the sequence of that customer journey and that part of the marketing? No, no. Never. We've never, neither one of us has ever like had a client start with us and then like say, Hey, I want to switch over because we're sharing therapists and the therapists that work, my therapists and, you know, are working with her clients and my clients. So it's not like if they're unhappy with the therapist, they're unhappy with the therapist, but that has never happened. I mean, again, I think that because we put such time and energy into training and nurturing and valuing, they see how good our therapists are. So it doesn't, that never happens. Up until now, we've never, ever had an issue with a family who's like, I'm going to switch from one to the other. That's, that's not been an issue. Plus we're in an environment, which is very different maybe than other people in the world where we have a lot of sensory clinics. There are like nine sensory clinics within three towns. So if anything, if anything would happen, they would probably leave us to go somewhere else. But I hate to like toot our own horn, but no one's ever left us to go to someone else, at least that we know about. And actually, I'm glad you're tooting your own horn because I was going to circle back to that, which also means that you're doing, you're, you know, doing an incredible job. You're adding amazing value to these families' lives if they're not getting confused. Like on paper, when I look at that business model, it sounds too risky and confusing mm-hmm. for the people at play because of from a strictly marketing, I mean, there's a lot of other reasons, but from a strictly sales and marketing perspective, I would worry about the client being confused and confused buyers don't buy, right? And that's just not happening. And I think what you has, that has to be attributed to, first of all, you know, the, the teamwork and the collaboration and the positive abundance like vibes that are under the roof. Plus you're obviously getting great results for their families. And the other thing is in, in just to kind of imagine it, The only way people would even know that there were two clinics here is when you come to the front door, like we're in a bit, so we're in an office building. So when you come down the hallway, there's two signs, one on top of each other. One says OT kids and one says smart pediatrics. Once you walk in the door, there's no different, there's nothing different. Like it's just one clinic with a bunch of therapists. So many of 
Christy's clients probably wouldn't just assume I'm another therapist walking by. Like they don't know that I'm a business owner with a different business. Got it. Yeah, it's just one. So it's almost all back end stuff that you're sharing. It's, yeah, it's like yeah. seamless. It's very seamless. Yeah. And to be honest with you, if someone had came it, it, in the beginning, if someone came to me and said, "Hey, Jane, in opening up your business, would you like to do this?" I'd probably been like, "No way! That sounds like yeah. it's going to be full of issues." But yeah. again, for some reason, it's worked out. That's what I love about it. And I remember you and I talking in the coaching days, and I was like, "Well, what about making this change? What about raising your prices here? What about shifting people to?" you know, employees, what about, and you were like, nope, nope, nope. And we always came back to the value add for you and you've talked about it, but in terms of an OTs get paid, you know, bottom line, cause we're still talking about revenue um, and income. It also really helps your ops costs. And yeah. that was huge That's for you. And that, right. and that wouldn't necessarily jive with everybody, but again, you've talked about who you are as a person mm-hmm. and how, that works for your business. And I think that needs to be highlighted. Again, I'm all about every, even if I opened, I mean, you've literally got it. You've got Christie's business who's in the same place. And I bet if we opened up the back end, there would be many, many, many differences, not at first glance. And I think that's really important. So there's like the quote unquote ways to do it. And then there's the, what works for all of us as individuals. Right. And I I think, you know, you bring up a good point. You know, I often forget all the little things that we've spoken about in the past, but you're right. Like I can't raise my costs. I can't raise Mm -hmm. my rate without first agreeing, without Christy agreeing to that. Mm -hmm. And for some people that might be like, oh yeah, you know, like, oh, I'm not going to deal with that. But I would rather be flexible and trust me, like I'm happy with exactly where we're at. I don't want to raise the prices anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with how it's turned out. But there have been some instances where I've had to be like, all right, I'm going to be a little bit flexible on this because the value of me being in the clinic with her and working together and sharing the therapist and like you said, the costs, the operating costs, all that far outweighs, okay, one little thing that I might want to change and she doesn't agree to. So maybe that comes with maturity. Maybe that comes with, I don't know, just my personality, but I would rather, I would rather flex and be happy and have everyone be happy than to get my own way. Yeah, exactly. And I think to those that are listening that are literally pulling out like their shirt collar, like oh, like Calvin and Calvin and Hobbes cartoons, like oh, I'm picturing like his spiky hair and his eyes bugging out. Like that sounds like torture to have that kind of lack of autonomy, mm. all the power to you, right? Then you do you as well. So I just right. love that there is, and you know, it's going to show up somewhere. It's going to show up in you know, the speed of which you can make decisions, how you pivot, what you can charge, et cetera, et cetera, for autonomy. Right. Right. And in Jane's case, it shows up with, you know, team make, teamwork, ops costs, decision making, you know, business bestie, on site, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. And I knew even before I opened my business, I, one of the things that I kind of kept me from doing it was I didn't want to be the one person in charge. Like Mm -hmm. that never appealed to me. Like I love the idea of bouncing ideas off of someone else and asking them for advice. And what would you do in this situation? What would I do? And, you know, in the end, I've become a strong CEO, but in the beginning I had no confidence. And to have someone there to be able to bounce ideas off of was immeasurably beneficial for me. Yeah, let's talk about that CEO piece before we begin to launch into some rapid fire questions. So in terms of the growth of the CEO, I 
definitely want to highlight that because you've talked about how that was a massive shift for you. And I am really, I mean, that was almost the fist on the table moment for me to open Trish Williams Consulting where I was like, I actually know how to shift from working in my business to working on my business. And that was the light bulb moment for me when I owned my bricks and mortar. So first of all, <laughs> thank you so much for the shout out. I appreciate, you know, highlighting me as one of those helps that helped you grow. What are some other resources that were really valuable to you as you made that shift? So in the very, very beginning, I was consuming podcasts like popcorn. I mean, I was listening to any <laughs> podcast. First of all, it took me forever to even realize that I was an entrepreneur. So oh, yeah. like I, the day that I realized, I remember very distinctly, I was at a course, I was at a reflex integration course and there was a girl there saying, Oh, what do you do? And I say, well, I see, I see clients, you know, at their homes privately. I said, but one day I'd like to open up my own business. She's like, <laughs> isn't that what you're doing? You've got your own business. I'm like, wait, what? Hold on. <laughs> like literally. Jane, like, that's fabulous. What? You're right. Like, it was such an eye opener. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. I have, I, I do have my own business. Like, it was that so funny. Really great. And then I was listening to, I was on, I was seeing like a Facebook friend had a post of like, what's your favorite, you know, podcast? And they were talking about the Gold Digger podcast. Um, I don't know that one. Oh, it's by, I'm going to, forget her name right now, but it's amazing. Gold, not gold, but gold, G-O-A-L. She was going on and on about, oh, if you're an entrepreneur and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, I'm not an entrepreneur. Who's an entrepreneur? What's an entrepreneur? And like, literally like, you know, a month into listening to her podcast, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm an entrepreneur. This has a lot to do with me. Like talking about like marketing your business and sales and stuff like that. So I've always been like kind of <laughs> last one to the table in this whole business thing, which is why I call myself like the anti-business business owner. But like listening to those podcasts really helped because it's a lot of free content, especially if you're out there and haven't opened up, like, you know, aren't getting a lot of income and don't have a lot of resources to hire anybody. There's so much free content out there. Who did you mention before? The CEO Collective? Rachel, Rachel Cook. And you Amazing. know who you're talking about? You're talking about Jenna Kutcher. I remember Jenna Kutcher. That. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm terrible with names. So there's so much free resources out there, just amazing resources through podcasts that you could listen to and start to kind of go down that road. And then once you do have a little bit of money, I would say the number one thing is to invest in a business coach. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, it was, it, like I said, it changed changed everything for me. Like before working with you, Trish, I, you know, I mean, the year that we worked together, I felt like I was a brand new freshman at a college for business. I was like, I had no idea what you were talking about. Like what's marketing? What's sales? What's a sales funnel? What's that? What's this? Like, I was just like, just literally, I think I just sat there with like, the most dumbfound face on most times that we spoke. But then after it all kind of gelled and I feel like I'm finally at a point where I'm like, oh yeah, now I get it. Now I know what all these terms mean and how it impacts business and how it's affecting how I'm running my business. It took me a while. I'm a very slow learner. <laughs> no, I think I, I actually love it because I think you really are highlighting the experience that so many people have. And I don't know the length of time it takes. And again, if you're not in the OTs Get Paid podcast or Facebook board, please go in there because I, I actually reached out and asked a few questions like, who here identifies as an OT? Who here identifies as a business owner? And who here identifies as a CEO? And people were like almost anti-CEO. Really? Yeah, they were like, 
forget it. Like, don't call me that. It's too big. It's not OT. Mm. There were there was a good 50-50 split. Well, no, I think it was more people that were really comfy with being a business owner. Mm-hmm. And there were still some people out there that were like, yeah, I'm like an OT that runs a business, right? And I just find that shift. I don't care how long it takes in terms of time. Mm-hmm. So don't berate yourself for that. I just totally agree that making that shift is so key. And what what do you think it is? Like, why would you say therapist to business owner to CEO is so key? I mean, I can, I can resonate. It resonates so much with me, what other people are feeling because I've, I've been through the whole entire gamut and it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I just started embracing CEO in the last year and a half, you know, like, but I have to tell you, it's given me freedom. It's given me a lot of freedom to embrace that before I feel like, you know, when you're an OT and you're working for someone else and you're treating clients, there's so much value in that. And there's so much like, you know, you're helping people and you're feeling like at the end of a long day that you've done good work and, you know, it, you've, it's really gratifying, but it's a, you know, you put yourself in a certain box that way. And then when you branch out into business owner, you're really still holding on to that OT treatment mentality. Like I'm the treating therapist. I have to provide all this and be a success, try and be a successful business owner. But this it's a foreign language I'm trying to learn and I don't have a lot of time to learn it. And I'm trying to juggle all these pieces. And like I said before, realizing that I was the bottleneck, I was the one that was preventing my business from growing. That was the turning point for me that I started to embrace the whole idea of CEO. But now that I am the CEO, and I say that to I say that to people I hire. I say, I'm busy working on the business mm-hmm. while you're working in the business, but I am here to support you. But that framework... And again, I'm juggling it. Like I'm, I'm really yeah, me still too. juggling it. Yeah. Like, you know, there's always times like, you know, like there's always going to be times where you have to take a step back from the CEO and again, mm-hmm. become the treating therapist. Like mm-hmm. this week I'm covering for a therapist. So I'm now the treating therapist. So my mm-hmm. CEO duties aren't going to get fulfilled, mm-hmm. but knowing that I can step back into the CEO realm and that I can really work and support those people that are working with me and better support the families. Like, it's huge. And to know, again, I'm just learning about this. So, you know, I'm not the expert, but like learning the financial piece, learning Mm -hmm. how much things cost, learning how much, like eventually one day I would love to maybe hire employees and maybe Mm -hmm. do profit sharing and and give back and maybe even offer scholarships to families. Like all those kinds of things sound interesting to me. But again, I won't be able to do that unless I am the CEO of the business. So I have to embrace that in order to move forward and do better and do well for everybody. I agree. Well, I just, I love hearing this. And again, this resonates with me entirely in terms of what that fist on the table moment was for me. And it's so important that I built it into the new OTs get paid framework because, you know, to increase profit, to increase clarity and to increase impact are the three things that you need to do in order to become an OT that gets paid, to get paid peep. And a big part of that increasing clarity is CEO, right? It's like strategic planning, CEO, and do you have the data that you're tracking? Because that's actually your job. Your job is to like move the company in the direction that it should. And there is nobody else that can steer that ship except for you. And one of the things that you did with that CEO time, because I want to circle back quickly before we jump into the final, you know, speed round questions is it gave you time to build a new offer. Right. It gave you time to learn about VIP days and if they would fit and why you were attracted to a VIP day versus another type of 
new product or service. You were on Teachers Pay Teachers for a while, and then you were like, you know what? That's not actually worth the bottom line time and effort. This is. And if you were in the day-to-day-to-day-to-day working in your business, you wouldn't have been able to come up with those ideas. Right. True. And I think it's great. So tell me a little bit about the biggest difference, in your opinion, between marketing the bricks and mortar versus marketing your VIP day. I'm really curious about that. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Is that one too hard? It's not hard. It's just so it is. I mean, it's physical. So (laughs) again, it's a whole nother avenue that no one, you know, I mean, I don't know what they're teaching in OT school these days, but when I went to OT school, they certainly weren't talking to you about how to market your online offer on Instagram. I mean, that... (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I miss that course. So, have I? Can I interrupt you? Uh, yeah. So, I think I've told this, but I want to keep telling the story because I want people to get like how far we've come. Is that when I was on faculty at the University of Alberta? I think the last time I did this was like maybe 2018. They asked me to be the person that did the breakout sessions for private practice, mm-hmm. and it was like a lunch and learn, right? And it was me, which is okay, but, you know, isn't there somebody that's done a PhD on this? (laughs) And it was me sitting with students that were interested in private practice, and I vividly remember the biggest obstacle that I was up against in my one lunch and learn was, why should we be taking money at all? Oh, gosh. Right? And, like, that's not that long ago. You know, and now I know there's other universities that are doing it differently, and but the U of A is like one heck of a premier facility here in Canada, mm-hmm. and it was being addressed more than I ever got it in school, but you know, I'm ancient. And so I just bring that as a snippet, not to say U of A bad, you know, lunch and learn's bad, but just to say like, if you have anything above that in the last few years, like count yourself lucky and that's still why we're doing this. And allow me one more soapbox, Jane. That is truly why Laura and I created the OT Entrepreneur Summit so that there would be, you know, not in university, I get it, but somewhere for you to land to be able to learn these skills in a group setting that's not like one-on-one business coaching. So at any rate, okay. So you have to learn how to market an online course at Instagram. Go. I mean... And first of all, I'm all signed up for the OT Entrepreneur Summit. I cannot wait. I'm hoping that I get so much. I cannot wait. I have so many questions for people. <laughs> I know. It's going to be great. And you know what? This is airing after the summit. Oh, so gosh. We'll, we're, there's a recap episode that's coming, and I don't know what it's going to look like. It's probably going to be after we air this one, the beginning of December. But yes, I'm like super excited. And we like yeah. get to meet each other in person. So I know. I, I know. bought we're... a romper. I bought a romper just for you. <laughs> Okay, there's a little inside joke about rompers. Jane knows I love me a good old romper. It was going to be a surprise, uh, but I I couldn't hold it in. I can't wait to show you my romper. I'm so excited. Okay, so tell me how you go about. So you've got the CEO time now. You're not totally in your business. You're steering your business in a new direction Mm -hmm. for marketing, for this VIP day where you're going to teach other therapists how to market their business through preschools. Like, tell me what the big difference is for getting those clients. So, I mean, you know, you know this about me. I have a love-hate relationship with social media and I mm-hmm. go in fits and spurts and it takes me a lot of time and energy to post anything. So even 
post anything like the stuff I do every single solitary day. It takes me a lot because, you know, you got to take the video, you have to edit the video, you have to then, you know, upload whatever pieces to the video you want to upload to it. Then you got to make the little blurb next to the video. And then you got it. It's just so much. It's like laundry. It takes me forever to do it. I hate it. But I know that it's really important and I see the value in it. And I do get a lot of good responses from people who watch my videos and see, you know, what I'm doing with the clients and things like that. So that's been great. So then when I decided, okay, I want to do this online offer, you know, I struggled with, you know, how do I get it out there? How do I talk about it? How do I not make it salesy? Like it took, it took a lot for me to figure that out. And I actually was on Melissa LaPointe's podcast talking about this and she was helping me figure out how to divvy it up into smaller chunks to figure it out, which really did help. Mm -hmm. So I spent a good six weeks marketing and launching this online product. And I, it was really challenging. You know, it was, it was a whole new ball of wax because I wasn't just taking videos of the clients I was working with and talking about great activities to work on X, Y, and Z. It was all about, this is a new thing that I'm offering. This is how I want to value and help other OTs who are interested in opening up their own business. This is how you can do it yourself. But you know, you know how it is with social media. You have to make it catchy. You have to use Canva. You have to, (laughs) you know, you have to be concise. You have to use the right words. You have to attract. Like there's so many pieces to social media marketing that are daunting to me that it really took all my energy. Even though I finished the launch about probably two weeks ago now, maybe three weeks. I haven't posted a thing, a single thing since because mm-hmm. it's just, it took so much out of me. Mm-hmm. So, but that's fine, you know, because it's an online offer and it's because something I'm doing in addition to my bricks and mortar, I was able to take a step back and be able to be like, okay, finish the launch. Now let me work on, you know, getting it to the people who signed up and things like that. But it's a lot for me. It's a lot. And to mm-hmm. be honest with you, People say, you know, what would you do if you had money in your business? I probably would hire someone to do all the online stuff, all the social media stuff. Because to me, it's difficult. I know people love, some people love it. I'm not one of those people. Yeah. And thank you for being so honest, because I think it's really important to know what drains you. And to also, you know, see what I'm hearing is I tried something and I'm learning along the way. And I like this, this, and this, but I didn't like this, this, and this. And again, you can't do that if you're stuck working in your business. Right, exactly. I love that. Okay, well, let's go to some rapid-fire questions because you get to answer. You kind of just answered one of them, and that's okay. So rapid-fire questions as we wrap up. Jane, what is your biggest personal money splurge? And guys, remember, this is from a woman who said earlier in the interview that she is frugal. I am very frugal. So I haven't honestly splurged on anything yet, but I plan on splurging because what I did with that profit first is I put 5% into a purely just a profit account. And so over the years, that account has been growing. So what I would like to do personally is I would like to go on at least one big, once I feel like hopefully COVID is at bay for now, at least around us, go on one big vacation a year with my family. Mm. So we are going to the Azores, which is a group of islands. Yeah. Yep. Off Isn't of, it off uh, of Spain? Uh, yeah, it's off of Portugal. Wow. And we are going in April. So that's our first big splurge. And the nice thing about using Profit First is I don't have to stress about like, oh gosh, that's going to be such a big bill. It's going to be on my credit card. I hope I have enough money to cover it. Okay, I'll, you know, I'll pay for it later. I already have the money ahead of time. Like I've already... Yeah save that money. So it's, they're just sitting to be waited. So, or sitting to be waited, <laughs> waiting to be used, but yeah. It's sitting would, and waiting. 
sitting and waiting. I would love to go on one big vacation a year with my family, which I've never really done before. So that would and be- And you paid for it. Exactly. Exactly. Holy cow. If yep. you, people haven't listened to Kelly Carino podcast in season one, episode something, I can't remember. It talks about how to start a business, but she does dive into like, you know, I'm married to a wonderful human and this human has supported me my whole life. And you know how badass it was to start like th- her partner's attitudes, even with a very positive attitude in their home, really shifted when she started bringing in some really good money. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I love how, you know, and I'm not saying that's, you know, I'm not saying that that's not happening in your home. But what I am saying is I want people to sit there for a moment and think like, that's a pretty killer move for people to be able to say, I'm taking my whole family to Europe based on what my company earned. And there's still money left over in the bank. Yeah. My husband's even more frugal than me. And when he's like, we can't afford that. I'm like, oh, 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 Au contraire, mon frère. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what's your biggest business-related splurge? Again, I haven't done it yet. (laughs) (laughs) There's lots coming for Jane, people. Yeah, I'm telling you, this is a transition year. So it would either be to hire someone like to do the social media piece Mm -hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. That or I'm considering maybe hiring someone to be like a clinical coordinator. Like mm-hmm. that would be amazing for me. Mm-hmm. Or the last thing would be, like I said, for next year, if we decide to expand the clinic. So those yeah. would be, those are all on the table as possibilities. I love it. That sounds so exciting. Yeah. Where do you have paid and unpaid help in your life? So all my unpaid help is related to me. <laughs> <laughs> my children and my husband. I'm lucky because I have older children. So I have a high schooler and a a middle schooler. So they are independent enough to be able to help out with several things. Although let me tell you, it's like, you know, it's difficult. It's still difficult to get, to get them to do what I need them to do. But my husband's amazing. So I'm fortunate that way. And the paid help I have is a cleaning lady twice a month come in to help us out. So like I said, I, I'm very much of the, if you, can do it, you should do it. And that's Mm -hmm. a mentality that's been difficult for me to move away from, Mm -hmm. but I'm working on it. Yeah. Do you see the return on the investment for that paid help in your home? Oh yeah. I mean, every time I would clean the house, it ended up being like a war because I'd be like, girls, get in here and clean this. Why am I the only one cleaning this? You know, ended up in a fight. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. It's, it's created a much calmer home in, in, (laughs) in the Irby household. Great. And so, I mean, I'm going to take it a step further, not uh, mental health being, you know, key. And also, I'm imagining that creating that stasis in your brain allows you to, you know, approach work without a lot of muddle, right? It's not been a bad weekend trying to, or it's a bad Saturday to try to get the girls to clean or whatever. Like, even I think the payoffs exist going forward for peace and harmony in your home and how you're able to show up at work. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. It's huge. And I think to myself, my daughter is a, my daughter is a sophomore in high school. I mean, I only have two more years before she yes. goes to college. I don't want to spend that time arguing about who's going to clean the toilets. You know, like totally. I would rather pay someone to do that. Totally. So, we're, yeah. we're having actually, uh, my daughter in the U.S. language would be a senior. She's in grade 12 and my son's already off on his own. And this year they have like a, Febu- we have a February break here in Alberta and a March break and a Christmas break, like a winter break. And we've already got holidays planned for two of those three. And my daughter is like, 
what is going on? <laughs> I'm like, it's your last year. She's like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, well, you're fortunate. You're fortunate you have a daughter that does want to do that. I'm a little worried that my daughter's going to be like, ah, I'd rather hang out with my friends. So, oh, well, my son is, <laughs> well, first of all, by the way, uh, asterisk, friends are coming to both. Oh, okay. <laughs> that I am not paying for. I mean, no, that's not true. I'm paying for the, the house on the ski hill that is larger than I would otherwise rent for us so that my daughter can bring friends. Oh, there you go. And my son. And he can bring some friends. So that is an upgrade for me, mm-hmm. for them. And then my daughter is reaching out to some friends to see if they want to pay and join us on a holiday in February. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. But yes, I mean, I'm not taking away for the fact that I am very lucky. Like she's, yeah, she does. And I was like that with my mom too. So I'm feeling pretty good about that right now. Thank you. Actually, Lastly, can, I think, can I, I just remembered something. You know, the please. other thing that I think is huge because you said what's the biggest splurge. Mm. I think the biggest thing too about like having the profit first and knowing where your money is sort of going and how much money you have and that kind of thing. It's more, I think more important for me is the little quote unquote splurges. Like, I joined a gym. I take a tennis lesson a week. Like these little things that Mm -hmm. aren't huge splurges, those I think are the most important things. It's kind of the rewarding yourself a little bit every week for all the hard work that you're doing, which again is that whole profitability thing. So rewarding yourself because we're working hard. We're constantly working hard. So it's not like the big family vacation or, you know, buying a new car or things like that. It's those little treats that you allow yourself to just kind of like, get through the week to week. Yeah, I agree. And you know, if you open the books on mine, I say this all the time because there is wiggle room in whatever percentage you've decided to allot to each of those four categories that Jane was talking about, owner's comp, taxes, ops costs, and profit. And you know, I would have more ops costs than maybe my bookkeeper would like percentage-wise. And I don't care because one of my treats is to buy education. Mm. and coaching and courses. Like if I see something that really resonates with me, I want to buy it like a book or some podcasts I actually buy like the premium. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my parents always said I was going to be a professional student. I wound up not getting my PhD, but that's another story. And again, that's a splurge for me. Like I don't have to think, oh, what if I don't actually use this whole course or what if this or what if that? And I'm like, I don't care. Like I'm in the sales membership. Did I use it this month? Don't, don't care right? Like that is a splurge. And I agree with you. It's the ability to kind of click on something and say, this is going to bring joy to my life this week. And whatever that joy is, you know, in COVID for me, it was a lot of home delivery meals because I was like done with cooking. And that was great, right? So I understand it's the click of the button without feeling incredibly guilty. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Okay. Lastly, if I could wave my magic money wand and put seven figures into your business right now, Jane, what would you spend it on? I'm going back to like that clinical coordinator position. Yeah. (laughs) I think that would be, I would love, love, love that. I would love to have like a clinical coordinator to be here when I can't be here to really, not just to like help run the day to day, but to like even be another person to bounce ideas off of and just the creativity and like, what would you do in this situation? Oh, I do the same thing. Oh, that sounds great. Let's try that. Like, I just love the collaboration. I love the teamwork. I love, just love hearing other people's ideas. And, you know, so just having someone else here kind of like who I would be, but you know, 
I just, I think that would be so amazing. Like that's probably where I would put that money first and foremost. Yeah. I love that for you too, because what that begins to do, and it's another shift, it's like you have been hiring people that can generate revenue. And all of a sudden you're thinking about hiring people that don't. Right. In a direct way. And again, that's another shift. It's like, you know, how is me not doing Canva going to actually make money? for this business, but it does, right? And it's the same kind of thing. Like, how do you get somebody in an operations role or a client service role and a bit of a marketing and sales role as the person that's, you know, sitting up front or being the face of the business in the way, allow you to continue, like, what is the ROI on that? And the ROI is you get to continue doing the $10,000 tasks, as a CEO that grow the business. So it is a really great thing to highlight. That's a shift for a lot of people. And it really starts to happen in that kind of, you know, $100,000 beyond in gross Mm -hmm. that are trying to net $100,000 on the reg. Like that's where I see it starting to happen. So it's right on point. So please share with the audience where they can find you, where they can find out about your VIP day offer. Where's the best place for them to follow you, Jane? Well, so if you want to follow me, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Smart Pediatrics. I have a website, www.smartpediatrics.com. And you can find a link to my VIP day on the Instagram page. And that'll take you directly to my page that'll tell you all about the VIP day, everything that's included. If you have any questions, how you can contact me, it's all right there. Thank you so much. I love, again, having you here because... From a sales and marketing perspective, you have done it your way, both in bricks and mortar and online. I mean, I think that kind of like skeptical, frugal, hmm, you say you're like, you know, you're slow to embrace business. I mean, I think that works in your favor for a lot of reasons. And that is also you're going to figure out the way that it works best for you, which I have an utmost respect for. And I want really... I don't want people to follow blindly the things that are put out there as best practices for growing businesses. I want people to do it in their zone of genius and what feels authentic to them. So from a marketing perspective, having you highlight what you've done in marketing is just a perfect fit. And then in addition, you really are an OTs get paid peep, right? You really have moved the needle on increasing profitability, increasing impact and increasing clarity in the various areas that we've talked about. And that's just so much fun to highlight. So thank you so much for joining here today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I love catching up with you. Can't, yep. see, can't wait to see you. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> this has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you have feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time.